What's up, team? It's T from Third Face here. Thanks for tuning in. And we're lucky enough to have skills and attack coach, co-founder of the Rugby Bricks um, and former Otago Northland representative, Peter Breen, with us on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Stoked to have you on, man. Thank you very much. Ah, thanks for having me, guys. I've been in, uh, impressed by what you guys are up to and doing and listened to a few pods and obviously uh, had Lima on my one recently and uh, they went down a real treat with a lot of uh, a lot of teens as well and teens and coaches, so good to chat. He gave you more chat than he gives us, mate. I was jealous <laughs> of you. <laughs> How's everything anyway, bro? So you're over in Melbourne, is that right? Yeah, so Melbourne at the moment's been good. Like we moved over here just under two years ago, and um, like it's awesome, eh? Just so much sport going on, so many things to go watch and and uh, and go see. Um, so if you're a sports fan, it's a great place to be. And then at the moment, obviously with everything going on, we're not in a full lockdown, but um, still able to get out of the house and go train and do a few things. Um, still a lot of people doing a lot, which I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Really? But, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aussies, yeah. What's the yeah, what's exactly. case numbers and stuff like in in Australia at the moment? Um, I think it's just over over 5,000, which is quite a few, but um, the, the politicians over here at the moment are just trying to sort of help as many people stay working as possible. But yeah, uh, I don't really get too much into politics, man. But it seems like we should all just <laughs> go hard for two weeks and do nothing rather than try to do it half-assed. Hard, man. And has it had much effect on the business at all, or not? Not too much. Um, it, it's been all right, actually. Like we we put a lot of energy into like at the start of the year, getting a lot of our stuff online, passing programs, kicking programs, um, and then also teamed up with a company called Huddle, which I'm sure Lima, Lima maybe yeah, you guys oh, have yeah. used to do a lot of our reviews for, for players with their goal kicking or, or passing. So we're kind of already going that way. And then when all this stuff hit, obviously yeah. everyone's sort of um, wanting stuff to do and programs to do so we've actually had a lot of interest and questions around that so i suppose um, people got so much downtime now eh? yeah so we've kind of been able to make good of a of a pretty shitty situation um and uh people that are keen to do stuff are definitely doing stuff at home and whatnot no mean bro mean and in terms of i suppose that rugby bricks has been a massive thing for you which we'll be really keen to talk about in a little bit, but it'd be awesome for I suppose some of the UK audience and stuff to learn more about Peter Breen prior to Rugby Bricks and what you're up to, mate. So look, take us back, bro, down memory lane. Where did where did all things start? Like in terms of sport and that. I know reading a few articles and things, you're pretty pretty involved in sport and listening to a few of your podcasts, etc. Yeah, so my first my first main sporting stuff was all basketball and cricket. To be honest, like that's sort of the road that I, I went down straight away. Yeah, um, all is life, man. <laughs> yeah, so basketball was my thing. I was um, like, I was pretty lucky. I got through to like NZ teams, fourteens and sixteens, and then eighteens. Um, guys like Corey Webster and Abercrombie and that were sort of floating around. And do you remember guy Jordan Mills? Jordan Mills. No. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. That's a good thing, mate. That's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember a lot of guys, but not that name, sorry. Um, yeah, good, good. You don't, so, you don't want to remember that name. <laughs> um, and we were pretty lucky. Like As we, as I was going through, the, the Tall Blacks were kind of doing their thing. Like Piero Cameron and that era was really like killing it. Dylan Boucher, the old white battler. 
um, it's a lot, <laughs> lot of guys to kind of be inspired by. And then, um, so that was kind of where I started. And I guess right there and then, like, we had an amazing coach who just, like, put so much time and energy into us, like 6 a.m. sessions, just like his passion sort of came through us. So I guess that's definitely where I've got a lot of philosophy um, of my coaching. Brian DeGeese was his name. Like he took a, a, a tiny little South Island white country town to nationals and got fifth, which is pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, that's hectic. Um, and that's all just down to down to coaching. What, what um, town was that, Brina? Brina? There was what town um, was that? Oh, Omaru, so just up the road from uh, Dunedin. Um, I'm sure you probably played a few Highlanders pre-seasons there against the Crusaders. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bro. <laughs> they have the odd game there that the whole town comes and watches. Um, so, yeah, that was the basketball. And then cricket, same thing, just went hard with that and uh, got through to sort of some national teams with that stuff, which was pretty cool. Um, and it's been awesome to see the guys kind of who were in those teams all kick on and, and play for New Zealand and, and whatnot. Um, yeah, awesome. and, and then the rugby staff sort of started in my last year of high school and then just started getting into it with, with the guys. All my mates were playing mainly rugby, so got dragged aloud, along and chucked in the midfield and kind of didn't really know what I was doing, but did that, <laughs> played all what right. What high school then, was that, bro? Uh, Waitaki boys, um, so not like a big rugby school, but rugby yeah. was kind of the main sport. Um, and then went down to Otago in the academy and kind of kicked off from there. Yeah, nice. And like going through going through the grades, what was the decision to kind of pursue rugby? What was the attraction there? Because obviously making a lot of rep teams for both cricket and basketball. Yeah, um, I actually like I think about that a lot. Like, why didn't I kick on? I suppose. Yeah. Um, all the noise and energy in New Zealand is all about rugby, like career-wise. Um, and so I'd kind of gone that hard with those sports. Maybe I was kind of resenting them a little bit. I'm not too sure. Yeah. Or didn't really see much of a, a future there. So um, mates were going down to Otago and stuff. So just went down there and jumped into the academy and had a real good hot crack at, at rugby, um, which was awesome. It was a pretty cool environment to be in. And how did you land it at Lambra, bro? So was that part of the academy signing or was it just love at first sight, man? Nah, I actually had a, a short little stint up at Zingaree in Lima's club. Oh, <laughs> good old Zingers. Battlers, man. Battlers. Yeah. I actually remember a pretty crack-up game when it was Alambra versus Zingers and you and Nuggy came and played. <laughs> oh, around, like, yeah, bro. Actually, yeah, I remember that game too. <laughs> you guys were running around like bloody idiots. And um, <laughs> and Zingers, Zingers sucked at the time, and then you guys bro, came on. It's like, hang on, we're not going to get beaten by by these guys, are we? Um, yeah. <laughs> I think we Lambo. we just just got them. Yeah, luckily though. Um, yeah, I think both Lima and Nagi got pulled off. Obviously, limited minutes or whatever, and then yeah, we just got away with did it. You have, did you have Kurt Baker and Liam Coleman playing as well? Yep. Yep. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, I think cute. I remember playing that day. Um, I remember um, punching Coltman in the, <laughs> in the middle of a ruck and then kind of like running off and just having a laugh. I remember no, that. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was good, man. It was a good, fun game. I actually remember getting on the hammer a few times at your guys' house. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if you're around though, but I remember been to you always saying like, oh, just come back to my house. The worst yeah. thing that will happen, you'll have a good time. That's it. It was like, oh, sweet. 
How good, good man. Yeah, like looking back, like Dunedin Club rugby was actually good times, man. Like it was, it's pretty special and a lot of, you meet a lot of boys and it's just a real good environment and club rooms and stuff. So I hope they're still doing it, doing it well. Playing club rugby and then you're in the academy. What was your first experience within the professional rugby ranks being part of the academy? Probably there's a lot more professional player or out and out professional players playing ITM at that time. Yeah, definitely. Like mine was, mine was slow. Like I was, probably the definition of a battler coming through like didn't uh, didn't really get a crack there's a lot of good like tens and stuff in front of me and I was still trying to like get my IQ of how to play and get that up and good experiences so yeah. um, like I didn't really get a, a run even for Otago till like 20 just turning 23 um, and then that was sort of sitting behind Hayden Parker for like two years. So I was pretty slow out of the gates with, with it all. Um, you always get like games for Highlanders development or get, get chucked into those sort of teams um, when you're in the, when the academy. So th- I really enjoyed sort of those three games that come about every year, like yeah. playing for w- with a couple of the Highlanders boys and then all the academy guys and getting well coached. So that was probably the first taste of really good rugby year. Yeah, and what's it what's it like going from that really good rugby space then back to club rugby where it's like really grassroots? Like, did you was it a tough transition or did you relish it? You know, yeah, like definitely relished it, and, and I really enjoyed like leading AU, and and I guess that's where you can really grow your IQ with rugby because what you yeah, do so. has a massive uh, impact on the game. And that was one thing Brownie um, Tony Brown was big on was like, don't go back to club and fall back into your shit club habits, like yeah, being slow, yeah. not being clean and crisp. So that was probably one thing you'd always pick up on my game is like don't don't drop back down to that shitty club habits just within your own physical performance. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely where I got a lot of growth was playing for AU, playing 10 and, and learning the game that way. Yeah, for sure. And then like in the academy and that, are you – studying full-time as well or you just full out rugby what's the story yeah so I, I just was working for a while so I started packing shelves at New World was my <laughs> first year which was good times and then um went out to the freezing works for a bit did laboring and then um sort of when I was 20 I think went to uh, PT school so personal training at Polytech and yeah. did that um which was really good, but I wasn't really that focused. I was a pretty shit student, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> like us all, mate. Yeah. Um, I was just really there um, so that I had time to go goal kicking and work on the rugby side of things, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and where did your drive for, like, because you talk about it a lot and we'll probably touch on it in a little bit, but your drive in terms of nailing your skills, nailing your role, like kind of getting reps in, et cetera, where does that come from, bro? Yeah, so definitely like, and that's probably why I mentioned with that basketball thing, like going yeah. back to when I was going through school, like we had a coach who um, literally, I think it was four days a week, would, would be there 6 a.m. on the court and he'd have a, a basketball for each of us um, and we'd just be spread out on the court, kind of look like an American sort of style football sort of <laughs> set up and you're literally just there, just same dribbling drills, all timed um, and you're just working on that four days a week for like half an hour. And yeah. I suppose it's kind of where I learned the value of detail or like, um, and I guess that was always me. Like I was always probably an overthinker um, with when I was playing and training, like nothing came real easy. Um, yeah. So I guess just putting in the time that way and, and getting the confidence from 
knowing you'd done the work was, I guess, what I learned from that whole thing. Um, awesome, man. Yeah. And like in terms of the academy time, you said, because you, were you in the academy for a few years before you got your first shot at ITM Cup level, was that right? Yeah, for like three, almost four years, I reckon. So did, did all three and they usually push you on after the three. But I was I, just about I, to say that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But for some reason, I just hung around. And there was the thing, heaps of my mates, like, is and uh, you guys will know as well, like, there's been a lot of boys in the academy that kind of get to that third year and they're like, ah, oh, well, it wasn't for me, didn't get my crack. Especially in New Zealand rugby, the list is oh, that great. long and you're sitting behind sort of, you know, seven, eight, nine guys sometimes. Um, and there's always the next 18-year-old coming out or the next hot property and he's kind of New Zealand rugby's next big thing, eh? Yeah, 100%. And they're always keen for for that young buck and yeah. they know they're going to get a few years. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Luckily, just stuck it in for that probably another four months and um, Brownie turned up and hit it off with him and, and got, got a crack, yeah. Yeah, because I know in a lot of content you, you talk about Brownie. What was, I suppose, your key takeaways from him and what was the real turning point to enable you to elevate your game, you know, and get to that next next level? Yeah, so I suppose, like, he, he turned up and obviously being an, an old Otago boy himself, it was when Otago was in a lot of trouble for um, with money and almost went <laughs> bankrupt. And um, he's just like, right, well, I'm not going to be able to, get any players or buy any players to come in. So whoever I've got here is going to have to be do the job. Yeah. And so that's where he came in and just put so much energy um, into all of us just with skill development, uh, making us better and just put in like way more than what was expected from a Model 10 Cup coach. Um, and then we kind of just went hard for four months and then we had a pretty good season, like finished better than what we probably should have considering. Um but I just picked up so much from him throughout kind of the three years that he was there, just around IQ, how to play, backing yourself, all the same stuff. I'm sure, Lima, you got throughout your career from him as well. Like, you always felt like he had your back when you're on the field and, um, yeah, just make make a decision and back it. Yeah. Yeah, that was the epic thing about Brownie, eh, Pete? Like, um, it wasn't always just the – like the rugby and the training, it was also like, you know, like the, the off-field stuff as well, you know, like how he made everyone feel so at ease, could have fun, have a laugh. Like all those things matter when it when it comes to rugby and actually trying to better yourself, don't you reckon? Yeah, and I reckon the the cool thing was is he was so close to, as, as being a player himself, he kind of knew what, what you were dealing with and what the pressures were and I think – um, one thing that sometimes coaches lose touch of is actually sometimes you're going to get done on the field. Um, <laughs> and just being, <laughs> A couple yeah. of times. <laughs> yeah, especially the way the New Zealand rugby goes. Like um, I know from myself, like going up against some of the athletes, you play a team like Wellington and you've got, you know, the severe boys running around and, and that like you're often going to lose the odd battle. <laughs> <laughs> What was your biggest like, oh shit, I'm playing ITM Cup moment now? Uh, I was kind of, uh, probably just my first game. Like I think we, we often played Canterbury pretty early on and that yep. was um, that was big. Like Canterbury just are always class. And then the, the first game against them was probably our first game. Came on, replaced Hayden and, and came on for like 18 <laughs> minutes. And just um, just remember thinking like, man, this, this is quick. This is every ruck counts yeah. like. 
every you kind of the, the quickest thing you learn is just the you have to be in the moment and just like every decision you make counts um and uh when they when they say shit happens faster like it's so true um, <laughs> yeah did you have uh a jug skull after your uh your <laughs> debut or was it just the old just yeah. a bottle? Uh, I don't think it was a jug, yeah. It would have just been a bottle in the in the change rooms, yeah, hundred percent. But a spate, so it was good. <laughs> I was just gonna quickly say just when you're talking about Tony Brown does a lot with very little do you kind of see that his DNA scattered across that Japanese team? You know, probably looking at the World Cup that was there probably on paper, everyone didn't even know who they were what seemed like a team of nobodies. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, and I guess that's the that's the awesome thing about the the, the Tony Brown and Jamie Joseph one two punch. Like, um, Brownie knows like what he wants out of every position. Like, he's got a real um, detailed script of what that position looks like. So, I think that creates a real competitive culture. Like, especially with like his halfbacks and nines um, in Japan. With like, okay, if you're if you're the nine that's playing for us, then you've got to bring speed, world class pass, move the ball faster than the other team. So, if you're not doing it, then someone else he'll get someone else to do it. But definitely the way they played, I think they they played that game against. South Africa where they just keep trying to switch back and, and, and it was working but that's sort of smart stuff that Brownie just I think the cool thing about him is he makes a plan for a team and um, and you know that it's it's probably going to work if you execute it really well um, and it, it's always a real clear plan like this is why we're doing it here's the opportunity if you do it well then it'll work um, so yeah man like that's I put a lot of Japan's success down to, um, to his game plan on attack do you think Tens make better coaches than any other position. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think they've got a bloody a really good understanding of driving a game plan, and um, and probably your IQ has to be quite high because you won't survive survive if you don't. And I don't know, Limo, if you've played for a coach that hasn't had that experience of like being a, a back leader or a game driver. But they just don't fucking get it. Like <laughs> you're trying to you yeah, bring a team is just like their advice is play better rather than oh, I think you should. Get yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I totally, I totally agree, um, Pete, with that. Um, with your point, it just makes me laugh. But yeah, you're, you're bang on, mate. You're bang on. <laughs> and after toiling away, bro, it must have been pretty good to chuck on the Otago jersey, being a t- Otago boy as well. Yeah. Yeah, it was good when uh, Hayden pissed off, to be honest. <laughs> um, it was good, man. Like, it was, uh, I probably had that one one real good year there, like, after Hayden left, where I was able to kind of play 10 a lot. And that was probably my favorite year looking back. Um, and then also moving up for the for the Tunnies. But definitely playing for a target, man. It's when you get the students going down there. And um, we, I was lucky enough to be in the team during sh- when we won the Shield for the first time. Um, oh, wow. and had, it was only nine days, but it was it was a great nine days. <laughs> How many of those nine days were you guys on it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we had we we had three, and then the decision was like, shit, should we do four? And then um, like we had a few guys like Joe Ladder and um, Charlie O'Connell on the team, and they said, yeah, we should do four, but it was probably, <laughs> it was probably just one day too many, I reckon. And it came through against Hawks Bay when we lost. Yeah. <laughs> you say only nine days though, but like some 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 of the best players to have played the game never have even got a challenge. You know, like yeah. I think I think Brownie never even had a challenge. Like 
Yeah. You know, like there's so many good players who who come through and like don't even get to get to that game and and you know, like it's, it's the luck of the draw sometimes and bah man. I, yeah. I, I remember only like drawing drawing the our challenge again in Talks Bay and I was freaking gutted but to win Is that it, when you were playing for Southland? Yeah, yeah. It was twenty all heartbroken, heartbroken. But like, you know, for you Pete to win it, man, that must have been unbelievable. Well, there's the thing, like we were sitting in the room with like, because all the old boys came down. So we had like Brownie, Case Muse, Josh Confeld, um, all these old Otago legends. And they're like, mate, like we never touched this thing. Like, and they're, um, they're guys that went through Jeff Wilson, like, um, yeah, never got it, never got their hands on it. 56 years. And then us, um, us battlers went up to Waikato and, and took it and um, yeah, had an awesome four days on spates at the Lone Star. <laughs> what a place. <laughs> and then what took you up to the Tunny Fires, bro, moving up to Northland? So like in Otago being a like more probably predominantly white and kind of battler city, then moving up to Northland, which is different demographic, different lifestyle. Yeah, man, like it was, looking back now, like it was the best thing. Like I absolutely loved getting up there and getting amongst like the culture. And I'm not I'm not just saying that just because it's the right thing to say. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, like I guess I've always kind of, um, yeah, got on really well with people. Like my, uh, my wife's half Cook Island and she loves her culture. And so we're always doing stuff with that. And really? um, so I guess getting, getting up to, to the Tunnies and Northland, like, and the thing is, like, Northland was one thing, but when you play club rugby in Northland, that's oh, when you get exposed <laughs> to, to all sorts. And when you're the the new signing, the white team coming to play for Northland, <laughs> <laughs> um, and the having, great white hope, <laughs> <laughs> having kicks from from sidelines and stuff like that with pit bulls on the sideline, oh, it's bro. uh, yeah, it's interesting, but um, funny. It was good, man. All the boys sort of got around you, and and um, yeah, it was it was good times. Yeah, played played there two for two years, years and then yeah. um and then uh, I I got a crack with the Blues for like six weeks. Went down there for the end of their season, and and really enjoyed getting amongst those boys. So different to to sort of the Landers set up um, from when I was kind of just pulled in and out of that, um, which was pretty different to get into that environment. Eh? Yeah. What was did you end up getting any super rugby caps? Nah, so I was I was named in Pierce Francis. I was bracketed with Pierce Francis and then oh. he was um he's gone on well now with England. Holy shit. Oh, bro, um, yeah. And uh but he, he played with a broken thumb and I was like, mate, he couldn't have just given me one little, <laughs> <laughs> well, little cheeky cap. Five years at ICM Cup level. How was that not being able to, I suppose, make that step to Super Rugby always kind of knocking on the door? Like, how did you maintain your motivation? Yeah, like it, it was tough at the time because, like, that was the goal. And I think yeah. when you when you when you play rugby, you just your whole life gets consumed by it. And like, I think I think you should like if if you've got a goal, then go after it a hundred percent. And so I was doing that, and then probably the first year Tunnies didn't happen, and then second year after playing for Northland didn't get the Blues crack. They went with young Bryn Gatlin, um, again another young guy. You kind of pick over yeah. over an older guy. Um, yeah, I was I was pretty gutted, but I suppose yeah, it, it was pretty quick. Like got over here to Melbourne straight away, and then you kind of realise, all right, cool. So rugby's like massive, yeah, it should be, but it's not. It's not kind of the be all end all, and it's not going to sort of define define you. Yeah. Um, 
but I guess the thing I always look back on and I guess the training that I did and, and the effort I put in was, was what I'm real proud of and can kind of yeah. stand by like and it's definitely helped with coaching like if there's a lot of guys who probably just got given their first super rugby uh, jersey just through raw talent and then you sort of see them like two or three years later just wobble a little bit and haven't really mm. got got um you know that real that real determination and strength to stay in the fight and fix things and and uh go through those hard patches yeah um so it's been really good and i think a lot of the best coaches kind of had to battle their way and and, and fight pretty hard for their positions because you learn a lot that way i think yeah like from my experience with rugby coaches the guys have had the most kind of trials and tribulations have they always have so much more relatability and understanding of kind of I suppose where you're at mentally throughout a game or when you're up and down at training or whatever and always able to kind of without dictating and pushing in one direction, they're able to kind of relate and communicate with you to lead you to that goal, if that makes sense, using kind of detail and structure, et cetera. But like always just find more common bonds with like players who have kind of not necessarily out and out superstars, but who have, like you say, stayed in the fight, been on the cusp of, of teams, et cetera. But being able to kind of then take all that knowledge from those hard times and then pass it on to to other players and give that perspective. Yeah, hundred percent. And I guess they yeah, the problem solving is the big one. Mm. Like actually having to, to solve the problem and think about it. And then once you've kind of been through that, you can explain it a lot better, I reckon. Um, a lot of the guys that it all kind of just happens for them and it all just comes easy, they actually don't they can't really explain that to, to other people or players. Yeah. What's your thinking when you kind of had the side of that it's and the time to time to move on kind of as you said you're consumed by rugby you know you eat live and sleep rugby and then you get to this point where you're, i guess you're going i guess maybe you're thinking of starting rugby bricks or you go move to melbourne what, what was your thought process on there to kind of i guess you have to almost think outside of yourself don't you to to, to know what to do next yeah like it was a pretty easy decision because it hadn't happened and i was and i was that disappointed um and then coming over to Melbourne, just getting into to personal training. But yeah, like I think all players go through that a little bit. Like they kind of realize after when they decide, right, I'm going to hang up the boots. Um, they realize that, wow, like there's there's a whole other life that I can now get after and, and go for. I don't think people sort of sit around mulling or feeling sorry for themselves too often. Um, yeah, you just got to be grateful for that stage of your life and then get on, yeah. get on with the next. Project. If you would have started rugby bricks, if you hadn't, um, say you say you got that contract instead of Brent, do you still think you would have started rugby bricks? No, nah, man, definitely not. Like, and that, that's 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 the crazy thing. Like, and the other thing was when I was uh, going hard with Otago and trying to make landers, like, didn't make it. Sweet, did a house renovation, and then that happened again the next year, and then so all of a sudden got got two properties that i would have never done if i had a made yeah, super man. so um there's definitely yeah exactly right lima like i wouldn't have had those houses plus wouldn't have started rugby bricks if i had got the um the, the super rugby gig so so who knows um and i guess that's probably a positive way to look at those sort of things is like right. cool what's what's the opportunity here moving on to rugby bricks bro how does how does that all come about man when you had the epiphany man yeah um so i don't know if you guys had them but 
Lima, you definitely would, but there's usually a dude from New Zealand rugby comes around and talks to you about starting like something or investing or business. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every year, same yarn, and all the boys are like, yeah, yeah, righto. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you. And then some idiot in the team starts like a sock company or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so that happened, came around, and then with. I, I was following a lot of basketball pages and um, and like watching like just guys doing dribbling drills, um, yeah. how to do like a step back three. Um, so I was following a lot of those those pages and I was like, man, there's nothing in rugby for like on this sort of stuff. Um, just giving like quick little cues, like scrolling through your feed, see something. Oh yeah, sweet. That's how to do that, and then carry on. And then sort of uh, YouTubed a lot of clips, and they were just like twelve minute long, like boring ass. Dan Carter, (laughs) hi, I'm Dan Carter. (laughs) Dan Carter, I love you, man. You're the man. man. (laughs) (laughs) Those uh, those clips were just too slow and just not consumable. Bro, Um, (laughs) And then, like, if you think about, I'm sure you guys follow them as well. Like, if you just watch like like a minute of Steph Curry literally just doing a shooting drill, like no talking, nothing. You can just pick up a lot of lot of stuff, um, so that's I guess where it all came from. Is like I just wanted to show show people and show show youngsters and people wanting to get better, like just the little details and the cues and the footworks and the that that side of things. Just because there was nothing being shown, um, and the hard part was New Zealanders are real humble. We don't probably like to, and definitely yeah. myself, like almost had to sort of create this rugby bricks character like when i'm sort of on the mic or doing podcasts it's kind of just this rugby bricks guy like it's not so much pete it's kind of just this guy who has to like be be loud be like ask good questions deliver good content um which probably didn't come that natural at the start um when you're just trying to be like the humble guy which everyone is in new zealand rugby type thing yeah uh, interesting, man. And like, do you obviously there's the massive shortage of content, and I found that I injured my ACL, and I went into coaching as well, and trying to like come up with drills for like running lines or like passing under pressure or you know that type of stuff was it was just like there was just nothing out there apart from those long clips. Was there any other like guidance from rugby people? Like, did you have to reach out to people to kind of shape it or anything, or did you just go solo and and kick it off? Yeah, probably just went solo and started and just trial and error was the main thing. Like um, even the first few clips, like when I go back, probably like a little bit long and tried to do too much and too fancy. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess you kind of learn what's what works. Uh, there's actually a guy, Ben Heron. Um, Heron? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a Targo coach. He's like a, a real breakdown guru. Yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's done some good stuff with the rugby site. Um and just delivering real detailed content just on one little thing, like one little skill, how to get a good jackal or how to approach yeah. a ruck and stuff like that. So had some good yarns with him. Um, and it was probably just yeah, a reflection of good convos with like him and good coaches around around um, around how to deliver the message the best. Yeah, man. No, solid, bro. And when does like Rugby Bricks took off and it got a lot of traction? I remember you getting involved in the New Zealand media and all that kind of stuff, which was awesome to yeah. see. When did it start to look like a could be like a monetizing opportunity? Yeah, like definitely after I did the that one good 
good session with Nuggie um, down at F45 and all yeah. like we spent like an hour and a half together and that was the cool thing like and he like gave me so much energy and Lima you'll know as well like when that guy starts talking about his passing game like he just goes hard like doesn't shut him up and um and I was just like man people need to people need to hear how you're talking how how much you care like you're not just on the field passing the rugby ball like there's so much shit going on in your head and, and so much decisions <laughs> and and uh, and how much effort you've put into having this freaking pass. Um, people need to, to know this message. And so that that got a lot of cr- traction and then when you work with a guy who's kind of the, one of the best in the world or what he does, I guess people really notice, um, notice as well. Um, so I've got, I thank him a lot for kind of kicking it all off and giving it a bit more credibility um, with what I was trying to do. Because before that, Pete, did you think, you know how you were just toiling away? Obviously, you would have started from zero followers and then to build a following. And was there a point where you're just like, fuck, I don't know if this is going to work or were you just like, <laughs> fuck it, I'll just keep going until the wheels fall off? Yeah, like <laughs> that's probably just to, just to keep going. I remember I had like um, – like a, a thousand followers or something, and I was saying to one of the Northland boys, I was like, "Man, apparently when you get to like five thousand, like all the shit starts coming your way." <laughs> 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 and I remember, I'm at like one twenty now, and I'm like, "Well, that, there's not that much free shit coming my way still." <laughs> um, so now, nah, like, yeah, I, I kind of always knew that there was an opportunity to to monetize it with uh like passing programs and kicking tees yeah. and, and and that side of things so that's that's kind of where i've put the energy and stuff that i can control and um yeah there was kind of there, i was talking with adidas and stuff before all this um virus stuff hit so hopefully we can pick that up again that convo up afterwards oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. nice man nice man because you recently signed with lovable rugby is that right yeah, so we we teamed up with Lovell and they're they're the exclusive distributor of the of the teas over in the UK. So I don't know if you've shipped stuff to the UK, but it, it kills you. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. so like people were paying more for shipping than the actual tea itself. So like, man, how do we how do we solve this issue? And so Lovell's yeah teamed up with them, and it's been going really well on their site. It's cool. Um, a lot of good. Yeah, um, they're they're massive over here, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and the great. best, the best thing is, is they've. I think they do a lot of player endorsement. So they, they, um, they give a lot of their players. I don't know if it's so much cash, but definitely a lot of, a lot of gears and hook them up with, with, yeah. with training gears and boots and whatnot. So they had contacts to a lot of kickers. Um, so, so they've already sent out quite a few tees, sample tees, just to players to try and get them in the market. It's mad how many of those tees you see around. Eh? I was even, like I played rugby in Kilkenny, which is like the small little country town in Ireland, and also <laughs> Dublin, and both the kickers are kicking off the RB Vortex. Wow, how like good. Yeah, bro, it's mad. Does that give you, you've seen Quaid and a few other big big names out there kicking with it, does that still give you a buzz when you see that? Oh, 100%, man. Yeah. Like every time I, every time I see it, um, yeah, pretty stoked. Like it's just awesome to see people like enjoying it, using it. Um, and uh, the, the Quaid one was crack up. So, like, <laughs> Quaid was like one of the first guys to to jump off the on the vortex. And I think it was like a Thursday. They were playing Rebels were playing the Reds, and he, it was the first time meeting him. Took the tees down. Hey, bro, like this is the tee. Like, no pressure. Literally just letting you have a kick off this. 
and he had a kick and he was like 12 from 12, like just on the kicks that he had. And he's like, oh, I think I might use it this weekend. And like I almost fucking fell over because like, he was like the first guy yeah. to, use, to use it in super rugby. And I was just like, mate, like, are you sure? Like, I don't want you to yeah. go into the game. And sure enough, like I, I was like waiting by the TV, waiting for his first kick to see what T was going to come on. And yeah, sure enough, the old blue vortex come on. And that was, that was a pretty cool moment. Specifically. Can you um, are you able to watch anyone goal kick without critiquing their form, or, or, or can you can you separate the work? <laughs> yeah, not really. Like, I always, yeah, like look at their balls, you know, what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, like I'm always critiquing. Yeah, it's impossible um, now. Uh, I hated I hated watching kicks the first few times off the tee, um, but then my dad was like, "I'm pretty sure Gilbert doesn't get nervous when people are kicking, so there's no reason for you to be." Who, who who's uh who's your favorite kicker to watch Pete? Uh mate it's sounds shit but Hayden Parker I just like Oh yeah, well, he's, nah, he's still yeah. sweet yeah nah he's pretty I still smooth. haven't come across someone who's just got such a such a nice and just the the way that it comes off off his boot like just so darty it's like a golf drive like it just sort of holds its line and just stays where he puts it um like you were all right back in when you when you cleaned up your technique, yeah. I'll give you some props. props <laughs> yeah. for that. There was some huge <laughs> work on there. The old kicks from the front. <laughs> Bang off the post. You know who that is, bro. That's straight Tony Brown. That's it, bro. That's the guru. So whatever he says, man, is gold to me, bro. He, he's the one who cleaned it up, um, to be fair. He, yeah. He's the guy who really helped me out and really sort of been able to take my kicking sort of to the next level you know but before that fucking hell i was like a running you're a new run up every year mate (laughs) you run up new star i don't know what was going on man yeah nice man and there was a thing brownie yeah brownie kind of just organizes organizes your thoughts and that's what i try to do with with my coaching is like do and i guess like with with quaid as well like even speaking with him, like there was a lot of stuff he had never thought about. Um, it, he does that sort of um, unique step back, you know, how he kind of does one step and then turns. And I was like, <laughs> I said to him, I was like, do you realize how inconsistent this is? Like you're going to end up at a different spot every time you get to the back of your run up. So um, like, if that's inconsistent, how the hell are you going to be consistent? Um <laughs> So, so, so stuff like that that a coach can kind of pick up. That's, that's the cool part. But I remember a session, Limo, me and um, I don't know who was kicking. We were down at Logan Park, and you turned up. It was when you were taking your goal kicking seriously, I think, and you rocked up <laughs> your ball. And did, like a freaking, did like a twenty-five minute warm up, and I was just like, "Who the hell is this guy? Like, he's going pretty, pretty handies." And um, yeah, man, I was like, "Oh, well, that's why he's he's at the top." <laughs> yeah, <brothers. laughs> Before I was about to get dished out and have no contract, that's why. <laughs> do, do is there anything you see about, from uh, like kind of young guys you you coach or you give programs? I know you do that thing where guys send in your their clips and then you 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 do a bit of a critiquing of. Um, is anything kind of you see trend wise where they a lot of young kids do or don't do that that you'd like that you that's a common thing you say to them? Yeah, like um, I think the. Definitely, as I was coming through, we were all influenced by like uh, Dan Carter and Johnny Wilkinson and, and that real low kicking tee. Um, yeah. So 
kind of all yeah yeah yuck. um hard to kick off and now everyone's kind of um inspired by by kickers all kicking off the high ones like the vortexes and the, and the mid cut and what sort of like that gilbert one that are you still using that lima yeah yeah i yeah i don't know what it is i've got these yeah yeah those sort of rubbery ones can't yeah. seem to shake them bro so sorry um, man can't can't use your teeth can't, can't shake it, man. <laughs> That's all good. Um, and so, yeah, we're kind of all, all inspired by kickers like this, like Owen Farrell and um, and, and um, Bodie, whatever sort of he kicks off, everyone kicks off um, in New Zealand. Um, but the the main thing is everyone was like just gets so caught up on distance um, and just yeah. wanting to try and yeah. like we all do it. The same with like with you know shooting three pointers. All the kids just want to go shoot yeah. three pointers. Yeah, Steph Curry. Um, yeah, um, so I guess big, like, fast, aggressive run-ups, like trying to come in and smoke the ball off a 10-pace ten, ten run-up is probably the one thing you try to chill people out. It's like we've got to train your body to, to do the right thing and, and be slow and and, uh, and and trust your timing. So I guess that's the main issue I see is, is guys, like, just rushing in and then that just trying puts to everything out. Francois Steen from halfway or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, do you do you see any uh like similarities? I know it's a different sport and different ball, but with uh American football, like NFL, their kickers and you know, they, they get some pretty big distance on it. I know the kicking styles, but do you kinda of, is that something you've looked in just from a Yeah curiosity? So we've got a we've got a kicker for the Wallaroos, Laurie Kramer. So she it's like the hurdle style kick. Um so they like come in especially for their kickoffs. They make contact and then almost do like a hurdle as if they're jumping a hurdle with their kicking leg. Mm-hmm. So it looks out of control for us, but it's actually quite a controlled kick for them. Um, so they do two styles, that style and then the, the hop kick, which is like your usual Owen Farrell, Lima Sobawanga technique where you just hop on that, on your plant foot forward. Um, but there's not too much crossover just again because it's the ball on the ground and, and, and placed it's a real low swing. Mm. Um but the detail is awesome. Like some of the kicking pages that the American football coaches have, like they're all just about reps and detail and getting it perfect and foot strikes. Yeah. 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 You see some of those guys, well, even the punters as well, like they get some crazy, I guess that's why they take a lot of the Aussie rules boys over. Yeah. They, you know, the, some of the kicking they get or some of the distance and height. Yeah. All about hang time and buying time. Eh? Yeah. And what, like, what about moving into the coaching, bro? So, like, with Wallaroos and getting that and taking the knowledge that you've got from, like, Tony Brown and everything, and then you're working with Stephen Larkham at one point. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Stephen got cut from the Wallabies. <laughs> him and um, him and Chica weren't seeing eye to eye on a few things. And so he was out of a job, and so he got spread across Wallaroos, sevens, and, uh, and 20s. And um, like he's a he's a gun coach. I'd, I I reckon he's he's probably going to be taking over the ship in Australia at some point pretty soon. Yeah. I know the Munster, Munster boys are really enjoying him. So yes, Stephen's good man, and, and the success he had at Brumbies, like the boys all, all all really love him, and and he's he's got a real good way about him. But I suppose like with, with my coaching, I'm only starting out. Like I don't think yeah. I'm taking over the world or anything with with team coaching. Um, so for me, it's all about just learning how to how to uh, how to get organised, probably off the field yeah. as well, like um, team reviews, data, like what what stats actually matter, um, and I guess what's going to be important to me with my coaching and what I try to look for in teams and players, and yeah, 
everything, like even dealing with with shit people in team environments. Okay, well, how do we how do we solve this issue in this person? It's um, crazy the amount of like you when you're in your playing days, you don't actually realize how much man management goes on behind the scenes with players and stuff. Eh? It's it's yeah. a lot, man. Mm. And definitely with um with with the the women's game, I think um you know you you can pick a boy in a team and and he's he's picked like that's all that it, all that he needs like he's in the room. Uh, whereas I think a lot with the women, they they really need to feel valued and contributing, yeah. and that's how they they feel like they get the the most out of themselves. Um, I mean it's definitely a generalization, but I think a pretty fair one. Um, so making them all feel like they are contributing and importance a massive thing. Otherwise, you just lose them and, and the shit fight starts. Yeah. So, Pete, would you say like you know you're coaching um, at the moment? Would you would you say that you're more sort of specialising in the skills part of rugby, or are you actually really involved in sort of the technical, tactical sort of game plan management of of um, how how your team's going to be played? Yeah, so I'm the attack coach for for Wallaroos, so do do the full full team attack, um, which is what, what I really love and can sort of see myself doing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's sort of making all the decisions around that, and it's a little bit different in, in the women's game with with how how, how to how to attack and where the opportunities are and um, tactical kicking and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, man, across the board and, and all of that. Um, which is which has been cool, good to learn from, and that's where Bernie helped a lot as well, um, just with organising that and how do you present your, your team attack and get your, get your coaching points across right from the start. And what are your principles as an attack coach, bro? Because I know a lot of coaches you kind of have, like I was working under Ruta Puki and he was just attack all the time, like you just have an attacking mindset, everything you do is attacking at pace, da da da. da. Like, what's your What's your vision or your mindset behind coaching? What do you try and instill in your players? Yeah, so I suppose um, playing under the Brownie and, and seeing different attacks, like it's all very well being like full noise the whole time, but yeah. you kind of just can gas yourself if you if you Absolutely. don't do that smart. So um, definitely one big thing with the Wallaroos girls that was good to get across was kind of that exit, exit mentality um, and actually conserving energy and trying to get as many bodies on feet to get a good chase line and and stuff like like that and then also getting um and that's why i think like your nine and ten are so crucial because they're the ones that are feeling feeling the pace and if you if you need to have sort of that slow phase to then generate your quick ball again like is your rugby iq good enough to to do that and probably why um why lima and nuggy went so well together was like man we're just brick walling here um let, let's box kick or slow phase to fast phase which is all rugby iq um which is the challenge for us man because uh, not enough not enough of these girls are watching rugby on the weekends and learning picking those things up yeah um yeah so just trying to build that where do you see the the women's game especially in the the women's nrl they they like that seems to be firing and i know rugby australia's had its problems and it's you know still kind of working through some of those definitely and i think the the athletes are getting better so that's that's becoming more attractive to to spectators and stuff as now you can go watch a definitely a woman's game of sevens like some of those girls you watch the the blackfern sevens like that's an impressive right. game of 
rugby to watch. Um, um, Porsche Woodman, Slide, Porsche, um, like they're they're world class and like look world class as well. So I think mm. as as that develops, will be better. But also, like with coaching the NRL, the best thing about the NRL over here is like it's all the old boys that have got like fifteen year careers that are coaching. So like they're coming in and just giving these girls the best possible knowledge like yeah. that they can get and even like Corey Parker's running around running waters for the NRLW team mm. um, on the field barking and doing stuff like that like the development and the growth and the spectators all loving that so I think even for the Farah Palmer Cup in New Zealand like the more like ex-super rugby um, players and, and people that we can have involved they don't have to be boys but they have to be classed with the value that they're giving the girls. And then, yeah. then all that stuff we're talking about, like athleticism IQ is just going to go through the roof and give us a better spectator game. Um, but we need some female kickers to step up because uh, <laughs> there's, not, there's not many girls that can dominate a game with their boot yet. Do you try and get them to like, do you, I suppose that would affect your exit strategies, et cetera, like you're talking about or like, what? How does that work with the lack of distance and their punting? Not again. It's a bit of a generalization, but like, yeah. So, like, and there was the thing I tried to to get the box hit game in over here, but like, it's just not not a part of Australian rugby growing up. Um, yeah, just it's not coached. It's not how they play rugby here. So. So now all of a sudden you're passing the ball back sort of 10 metres to a girl that can only kick it freaking 30. You're not going to make much uh, much metres yeah. down the field. Um, so that's been a real growth area for me is sort of started a kicking academy over here with five girls from each state and just trying to lift the lift the kicking game and that's awesome. Um, get some distance on some kicks and, and teach some girls how to box kick because you get a good wall up and, and, and kick the ball sort of – 30 metres off a boxy, now all of a sudden you can actually get the team going forward. Yeah, yeah, especially with a bit of height on it and you've got a good kick mm. chase. Uh, awesome, bro. In terms of, like, attack and, and rugby, like, there's so much on a rush defence that, like, how the All Blacks came short of it at the World Cup. Like, what are your thoughts on beating a rush D, bro? <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 a good, it's a good question, man. Like, the... I suppose like game line carries are massive. And so I reckon there's a few ways to do it. Like we sort of started talking a lot about our two body involvement. So your latch player um, yeah. and actually like beating that rush D, like if they're going to rush with one body, like let's try to beat that with two and get over the game line that way. Yeah. Um, but I still, I, yeah, like one rush D phase can stop your attack. But if you can put at least two or three game line phases against the defense then that's going to stop the rush d so yeah um i think your first phase um and carries are so so crucial like the rush d is is all good and well but i think it's actually going to bring back the ball player the the, the benji marshall get get him over playing union like if your first receiver can get lateral and get people doing funny things and turning in and if you've got a square attack against a square rush d then how are you even going to do done, it? yeah so get some get some steppers and people going sideways is a good way to stop that. But um, Pete, just quickly, last, um, I know we'll probably wrap it up soon, but lastly, where do you see rugby bricks, bro, in the next sort of, you know, two to five years? Where do you see that heading? Yeah. Uh, so, so at the moment, we're kind of working on on developing an app. Um, got the idea Probably. off uh, um, 
off a off a cricket off a cricket page. So they do like modules that you can work through, like um, passing modules, and you can go on, uh, like watch a you know ninety second video just on on how to catch the ball cleanly, cleanly, and like slowly work your way through your module. So um, just having subscriptions for that. Um, <sighs> Yeah, so so just continuing to develop the the passing programs and the kicking programs. I, I'd love to do um, to branch out and get into other other areas and start bringing that stuff in as well. So yeah. so so break down and, and and get some people in to, to coach that, um, especially like line out throwing or, or scrum. Have like a scrum week. You know how they do like Shark Week. <laughs> Have a scrum <laughs> week on. The, on yeah. uh, on rugby bricks, um, get some people along there and just and just go hard. But um, yeah, more of the same and just just keep keep going with it. Um, and especially with the kicking tees, like they they're starting to go really well now and continue to grow grow that side of it um, and keep keep pushing that way. So it's kind of just evolving as we go. Um, yeah, and, and there's plenty of ways that you can go with it. Um, but yeah, do all your tees cost the same price? Or are they different depending on which one you get? Yeah, all, all the exact same. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Yeah, so the same. All, all made and designed in New Zealand, which is pretty massive for us and, and cool to be able to do um, rather than sort of going out of like a China or anything, wanting to, yeah. to do it all at home. And out in Mosgill, actually, there's a there's a model. Mosgill. Yeah, they, they do it for us. JT Plastics. Um, yeah, amazing process. Pretty cool. And I've come a long way since that brush teammate. I seen you talk about that the <laughs> other day. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the first project. Would have been cool if it had worked, but it didn't. Right, it would have been sick. What? Sorry, <laughs> can you can you go over what what was the what was the idea on that? Yeah, so it was like a there's golf tees <laughs> that are like uh, a mold, and then it's got like bristles coming out of it. Fair, um, yeah. If you if you Google the golf brush tee, there's heaps of them. Um, but yeah, sort of had the idea to do that with the rugby ball because yeah. it would just be such a clean strike, like you wouldn't even feel anything under it. Um, but yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, funny, man. Check it on Instagram and Pete's trying to like lay the ball on it. It just goes like, Zhonk. oh, doesn't sit right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Here's like, we love code, but probably the stuff we talk about 80% of the time is basketball. Yeah. I think you still are a bit, a bit of a basketball fan. What's your, your team? Do you, if you have team? Yeah, so I was always Kobe, so always yeah. Lakers, man. And nice. Just fluked, it with, fluked it with LeBron coming as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, always been Lakers, man. Probably Magic as well, Showtime, the way he used to play. Yeah. So we, we went on a trip to uh, LA earlier this year, LA Toronto. Yeah, I was going to ask yeah, you Yeah, yeah. So yeah. then we, as we were on the plane, Lima's got Wi-Fi on his phone, and he's like, Kobe's died. And we're like, what? Mm. Like, no, no way. Like, that's thing, he's talking shit. And then few hours later we arrive in LA and then just the whole city's just in mourning like it's all over the radio all the Uber driver knows about it it's on TV 24-7 and then we were there to go watch LeBron that's the only reason we're the in only LA. reason we went to the LA like yeah to watch LeBron there's there was the Clippers Clippers, Clippers Lakers in at the Staples and then that, that gets cancelled like it was cool to be there like because the city if you know murals were coming up every day yeah. and then at Staples it was I was like grown men like fully crying like as if someone of their own yeah, family had died. It's crazy you know? to see what Kobe meant to the community and everything, eh? Like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And I think that, that uh, the Mumba Academy 
um, that he that he started up with his with his girls team and whatnot. Just like the the, the stuff, the positive stuff he was doing was was incredible. But oh yeah, I remember that because Lima, you mentioned that on on our podcast, and then one of someone mentioned it to me. Is like, did what what ever happened there? <laughs> um, crazy, you guys were there, turned up. Yeah. Yeah, we were like buzzing out, thinking, "Oh yeah, we're gonna go to the game on Tuesday." It's and it'll be, be the like, yeah, the memorial game, yeah, you know, blah blah the blah. The biggest blah, game blah. in Lakers history, da da da. Like, yeah. and then cancelled. <laughs> and then we're like, so oh. what did you do? Just stayed a few days and then just yeah, just went, went out to dinner, got wasted as well. Yeah. Really. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we had a we went to Toronto afterwards, so we had to catch up with friends. But yeah, LA was just pretty much uh, yeah. You just end up being, yeah, not, yeah, yeah, but just a tourist trip. Yeah, here's, here's a, um, because we do this, you know, like hypothetical. So if you, let's say rugby had a draft system, yeah, who are your top five? So players currently now, but they can, let's say they can be, they'll be in their peak form. So top five picks be, who do you think would come in out of the draft? Yeah, right. Um, I'll definitely take Carter, um, just because he's, he's the man. Can, can they be on any position? Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't have to pick 10s. Yeah. <laughs> he's loyal um, Yeah, man. I like that. <laughs> he's just trying to, he's saying Dan Carter now because he's mocking him before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll take, I'll take, uh, I'll take Nuggy, obviously. I still reckon he's one of the best nines getting around. Um, yeah. I'm not just saying that. <laughs> um, uh, Christian Cullen, I reckon. Ooh, the way he's to play. Yeah. They're all backs. Holy shit. I need to pick a forward. Um, I was a big Scott Robinson fan growing up. Wow, Razor. Razor, Razor yeah. Robinson. A That's a left field call. Well, I like it. <laughs> yeah. 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 He, the way he used to play, probably not out of his form, but just because I like him. I'd, yeah. I'd pick Razor um, just because he was mad. Before he got one more. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to pick a front row, actually. Carl Hayden. Oh, no. Oh, Carl. That's oh, a no. shout. That's actually a shout. Because we Is that need- because he can sink puss or because we need good ball that's why <laughs> <laughs> oh then off the field that's a shocking five but yeah those are my five yeah no yeah pure, purely New Zealanders I like that yeah no internationals get a look no no nah. <laughs> nah, yeah. yeah I like that where can people find you Pete um, just for the listeners out there yeah man so we've got um, so Rugby Bricks on Instagram um, and then YouTube channel is really good as well. If you just search, uh, it's, it's got a lot of the, a lot of people don't know that, but a lot of the long form stuff and, and the full session stuff is all on YouTube. Um, and then also we've got our Rugby Bricks podcast. Um, again, just search the Rugby Bricks podcast. Um, good one with Lima on there about playing 10. And um, yeah, it's class. It's good. Yeah, that was really good. Awesome, uh, Pete. Thanks for your time, Pete. Cheers, bro. Appreciate it. Thanks, boys. Oh, thanks, brother. Yeah, yeah.